0: You are listening to the Marty Leeds Math Magical Radio Hour, where we discuss myth, math, spirituality, philosophy, science, and so much more.
1: www.martyleeds33.com
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm your host, Marty Leeds. Thank you so much for tuning in. Got a chance to speak with George Webb this week. It was just a really fantastic interview. And George has been basically putting a big puzzle together. He's been covering the crimes of the Clinton Foundation and just doing a a, a top-notch job, just top-notch journalism. So check him out on YouTube and Twitter. And the name is George Webb. This podcast is brought to you by Big Leaf Branding. BigLeafBrands.com is a highly specialized branding and marketing firm working with everyone in the recreational and medical marijuana industry. What do you need? A website? Logo design? Creative copy? Need to update those pesky state compliance labels? With years of professional experience, Big Leaf Brands can take care of it all. Visit BigLeafBrands.com today, and when you order, give them the password MATHMAGIC, and you will receive 10% off your first order. BigLeafBrands.com. Real people talking like real people to real people. George, thanks for doing this. It's a real pleasure to speak with you. Marty, it's great to be on your show. There's going to be a lot of people that listen to the show that probably do not know exactly what, who Eric Braverman is and what this whole story is. Can we do a quick five, eight minute sort of breakdown as to what you're covering and and how you got into this?
2: Sure. Um, Well, Eric Braverman used to be the CEO of the Clinton Foundation and he was uh, the CEO uh, for about a year and a half from July, 2013 to July, 2015 and he tries to make some reforms inside the Clinton Foundation and then just kind of gives up and, and leaves. And, and he goes to the press to kind of, in March of 2015, to kind of save his reputation. He's, he's a professor at Yale School of Government, the Jackson School. Of, he teaches a course called Government and Ethics. So I think he felt like he needed to um, preserve himself a little bit. So he did a, uh, an article with Ken Vogel at Politico. Um, then the the uh, in the next year in 2016 the information about the Clinton Foundation starts coming out uh, you know with the emails and so forth uh, and then you have the DNC leaks I think if you remember last summer where Seth Price goes missing uh, um, uh, and in undies chances and then later on the Podesta emails were coming out every day so. I, I took an interest in who Eric Braverman was from that point of view, especially when there was a Podesta email that came out that we're trying to find the leak to the press of who was giving the press this information from a year before. Uh, it said it's Eric Braverman. John Podesta says Eric Braverman's the leak, basically in this in this whole series. And that really is when you know say, "Oh, that's where this information is coming from." So uh, he ends up. Uh, there's a lot of WikiLeaks people that end up dying. And October of last year, the three main founders, and and then that's when I started picking up the story. Is he supposedly the next day after the third founder died, made a run for the uh, for the Russian consulate in New York, and so that's when I said this guy has to be the. The key to the whole thing. As a matter of fact, Zero Hedge, uh, a publication, wrote that exact title. Eric Braberman is the man who can unlock all the secrets of the Clinton Foundation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so those, okay, so when we have those three WikiLeaks guys die, one of them for sure died under pretty uh, mysterious circumstances, right? Basically, he was a guy, I think he got, pu- John Jones, I believe is, was his name, he got pushed in front of a train in West Hampstead, right? And then the other two WikiLeaks guys what Michael Ratner and Gavin McFadden, those guys died of like uh, cancer or whatever so it might not be too suspicious but you did have a bunch of people around the Clintons dying um, like you I think you had mentioned Seth Rich you got Sean Lucas who actually he helped serve the Democratic National Committee with a lawsuit and then you had um, John Ashy and Victor Thorne so you have a lot of deaths running up to all of this stuff sort of breaking loose. And Hillary Clinton, of course, not getting in to be president. So it's pretty—it's—it's it's pretty interesting that there just seems to be a lot of, a lot of hype going on right around up to the t- time that we see Eric Braverman missing. Now, Eric Braverman supposedly is found now, right? So I mean, according to a tweet, anyway, right?
2: Yeah, no, actually, a news article came out, and uh, I think it was Biz, the Biz Journals, uh, that uh, maybe the uh, Biz Journals is a collection of business journals all across the country. I—I I think still. And the Silicon Valley version said he's going to join Eric Schmidt's uh, charitable foundations, which are based in uh, which are based in Silicon Valley. Um, so for Google. So he, I don't know when he's taking that post. Uh, and it and it is just an article. So we don't really have you know, proof of life yet. Uh, but he's supposed to go there at some point. Now, he's teaching this Friday at Yale. So it'll be interesting to see if he shows this Friday. I'm I'm in communication with the Yale Daily News and several uh, folks there at Yale. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, so January 19th, it says, thrilled to join Eric Schmidt and Wen Schmidt and an amazing team as we bring together, we bring the power of people and technology together to improve lives. So that was on Thursday of last week. And I, I had assumed that I thought that he was supposed to teach it that day as well. That's what I had heard, but apparently I might be incorrect. So either way, we have... I mean, do you think he's alive, or do you think that this is kind of being covered up? I guess we'll find out, huh?
2: Uh, I think he's alive. I think he's alive. The only reason, once that article in the Biz Journal came out, I, I kind of switched the my series uh, over to talking about Braverman in Haiti, and so that's why I kind of stopped watching his. Uh, <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Okay. I, I, anyway. Yeah. So. Um, so we. Yeah. So we have Eric Braverman. So he's probably he might still be alive or whatever. So basically, you changed your you're serious to like saying, Hey, Eric Braverman, come on down to Haiti with me. And let's take a look at some of this money that's being, that was being filtered through the, the Clinton foundation. That's where you picked this up, right?
2: Yeah. And I changed it to Eric. Uh, it, it's Braverman, Haiti and me sort of modeled on the old Michael Moore, Roger and me. I don't know if you remember that, but he followed Roger Smith around to different speeches and said, come to Flint with me and let's just see what, you know, the impact of your decisions have been, you know, in these plant closures. So I thought, well, why not, you know, since Michael Moore works for the Clinton Foundation, I thought, why not use that? And um, I am planning a trip to Haiti, and I I would like him to come down with me because the problem is I am talking to people who, like the general counsel for Aristide, who won three elections in Haiti, and several uh, folks there that are saying we only got 2%, we only got 5%, some people, at most, 10% of the money from USAID actually came to the Haitian people. Now, a lot of money was spent in the North part of Haiti developing a a, a new airport, a new university. The state department built a new a huge new prison, a huge new port, container port, oil terminal port, a new airport, an international airport. Uh, they're building another huge port, uh, not far from the international airport. So a lot of USAID, oh, and also an industrial park. So, uh, it's all in the north, which is funny because the south part of Haiti, where Port-au-Prince is, where the earthquake epicenter was, got very little spending except they built one five-star hotel, which was mainly housed by a, a Digicel, uh, which is the a, a cell phone provider for Haiti. Mm-hmm. So, so it was like all the money went to infrastructure, mm-hmm. basically, and not much at all in terms of home building or anything. You'd think like water projects or so or things like that.
0: And do you think Eric Braverman saw this happening, or do you think that he was part of the, the collusion to make this happening? I mean, do you think that this um, guy had a conscience in this and was like saying, hey, we got billions of dollars coming through the Haiti Foundation, we got people, or the, excuse me, the Clinton Foundation for Haiti, we got people protesting Haiti, and you know, we've got 50 homes built, and where's the rest of the money? Do you think it's that, or do you think he's part of the cover-up?
2: I think both. I think it's right in the middle. I think he was willing to you know, be a part of this team? Because remember, you know, Eric Braverman sets up the Haiti foundation, uh, relief fund. You know, it's called IHRC with Laura Graham from the Clinton foundation all the way back in 2010. He's a, he's a, uh, consultant with McKinsey. McKinsey's doing these world bank type uh, projects saying, Oh, you need this for your infrastructure. And here's how we can put roads in. Again, the roads end up going in, in the North, um, the electrical grid ends up going in the North, a new 10 megawatt generators put in the North. And as you read down these USAID uh, projects. So I have to believe that he had some inkling that, wait a minute, we just seem to be making a Disneyland here and, uh, you know, a, a, another long beach, uh, you know, oil terminal. <laughs> and maybe they thought, well, we'll get people to migrate from the South to the North. But if, would have seen more I think I would have seen more programs to try to relocate people and there has not been those programs it's it's all been about tourism and luxury hotels and and container ports to ship natural gas and oil and so forth
0: so you started the series basically taking Eric Braverman's you know his follow the money lead there and basically go into the Clinton Foundation and the the CGI, the Clinton Global Initiative and and looking at the donors and following these donors back and saying, okay this is where this is how we can see how global politics is really done, because basically the Clinton Foundation is used as sort of a money laundering tool to to obviously bomb countries and run oil lines. And we're, we're talking about child trafficking and things like that. Can we can you do a little like rundown of like some of the major players within the Clinton Foundation that are that are absolutely corrupt maybe we could talk about mark rich i mean i know he's dead now but he obviously gave money uh Gil- gilbert jacoury can we talk about some of these guys
2: sure and i think there's a, a a good you know people ask me why was there the clinton foundation and then why was clinton global initiative you know created about the time hillary becomes a senator it's really a good story the, the difference between bill and hillary um mark rich okay so this whole story goes back to when they're, um they were a governor. Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas. And George Bush came up with a plan with Ali North to put a. The idea was Iran Contra. We need to do Iran Contra. So we need to have an airport where we get the guns to, we fly them down to Nicaragua, and then we'll fly drugs on the way back to pay for it. Okay, that's the general gist. So that's MENA Airport. So the foundation, did as a way of, of getting commissions, basically, from sales as well as through, they also created a Arkansas Development Fund or financing authority. It's called ADFA. And that was their way of putting this drug money in and laundering it. to account go up to $100 million every month and then clear it out to zero. So that, as I said before, that model is used again and again, like Ray Rubin, who was at uh, Goldman Sachs, who set up ADFA, who doing who, for ADFA. Basically, they would, they would just get a whole... In Wall Street, you had to give fifty thousand dollars in processing fees to the Rose Law Firm, and you never had to pay the loan back. So it was a pretty good deal. You made a lot of friends. Bill Clinton made a lot of friends giving away money, um, and that same same pattern is used, you know, uh, in in Haiti with the World Bank, as I mentioned. But uh, the friends of Bill were different than the friends of Hillary. They were like uh, Doug Band and and Justin Cooper and you know, uh, Bruce Lindsay and so forth. The foundation was set up way back when in Arkansas. So um, it, the charter of that group is supposed to only be libraries and schools and hospitals in Arkansas. So it's way beyond its charter. Um, as Hillary becomes Senator Hillary, I, I think most people don't know this that is Hillary is in the white house in in Bill's during Bill's term, 1993 to 2001. Uh, she's really the shadow of Secretary of State, right? Long-term friend of Henry Kissinger's along with Hillary, but they're really kind of a triumvirate running the State Department for those, uh, for those uh, 11 years. So Hillary had a lot of chances to do toppling of governments and so forth, and then money would come back through the Clinton Foundation for those things. You know, they always have these funny little Wordplay like uh, the Haiti Commission is IHRC, which is Hillary Rodham, Rodham Clinton. Clinton Global Initiative is, is like GI, like you know GI Joe. Like these are go- This is going to be money from where we use military intervention to get money, and it's going to be mainly Hillary's initiatives.
0: I also notice it's called CGI, is the is the acronym, which I always thought was pretty funny because that's computer graphics, basically. It's it's fake, if you will out of that one um
2: so for justra uh, so the in the old days it was mark rich and the one continuing theme i would say is you know mark rich was the money launderer they would take the money from arkansas and run it through um georgia and run it through florida but justra comes in is is kind of like i oh, would call it the social justice you know putting a social justice face on all this it's like not only do we want the money we want credit for it too you know we want to if we get a hundred million in in, uh, donations from Haiti and we spend two, we also want to post in pictures with Sean Penn and Nemkova and we want credit. And that's also a cover, you know, so, so it's kind of like the CNN fake news thing where you, everybody goes, well, things must be going along pretty well in Haiti. Sean Penn just, you know, had a glass of champagne with the, the prime minister, that sort of thing. Um, you know, Hillary just takes it up a notch, which not only in terms of paying out less in terms of the, the investment, but also in terms of wanting credit, you know, um, and Chiguri, uh, Chiguri is the guy who's kind of a, a Lebanese businessman that, that does a topple in Nigeria. He's going to be the guy behind Boko Haram. He's the guy who finances Hamas and Hezbollah. And, and they're using him to create this this tension so that then Hillary can send them, um, you know, her private mercenaries in to do the topple. And the pattern just keeps repeating, you know, with Haiti and then and then Libya and then Syria and then Honduras before that in 2009. Chile, you're going to find Chile. There was a instability introduced.
0: Brazil, you know,
2: right around the world,
0: you know. And didn't – I think you had mentioned Wesley Clark discussed this – a lot of this plan to destabilize the Middle East um, like since like 91 or something like that, right? Basically seven – I think you said seven different countries in five years, and we've already got half of them or whatever, Iraq, Syria, Libya. What are the other ones? Um, Lebanon, Somalia. Sudan, I think. Sudan and Iran, right? Iran was going to be – So we already already got half of them. Iran's
2: the last one, and I I truly believe (laughs) that if Trump doesn't attack Iran, they're going to try to impeach him. I mean, that's just because it's part of the Middle East project that was called the Middle East project. And the whole, the whole slew was called the Middle East and North Africa project. And David Petraeus wrote the plan for all those, you know, topples. And it's just kind of one of those things where they dust it off and then they, they do some intelligence briefings to get it kind of updated. They make a few changes to the plan, but it's the same plan. Um, you know, really going back to 2004,
0: And they've been talking about Iran's nuclear threat or supposed nuclear threat. I mean, we always get little hints of this in the news here and there, just always like, hey, reminder, Iran's a threat, Iran's a threat, which is which shows to me that they're it's you know, they're building up this story for an eventual attack.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like turning up the heat on a soup. You know, they always want to make sure there's a simmer going, you know, just want to remind you North Korea is is a thing.
0: You know, we have this sort of cabal within the United States government. It really seems to be within, especially within the Central Intelligence Agency, that has these long-term plans that to just destabilize the Middle East, right? And now we have, and what you're showing is now we actually have proof positive within the Clinton group, her inner circle, we can talk about Mike Morrell. we can talk about David Petraeus, but we actually, it's Sidney Blumenthal, we have emails talking about doing covert operations absolutely illegally. I mean, these are, this is 100% illegal, and now we have essentially a, a proof of this is what you're showing. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. And it's it's not even subtle. It's, uh, you know, David Grange has the plan, General Grange has the plan to take Tripoli, You know, uh, you know, that sort of thing.
0: That's that's in an email, which is which. I mean, to to give some context here, right? So basically, this this General Grange guy is working covertly with Hillary Clinton as she's part of the State Department, right? She's she's using a private email to talk to this guy, and he runs a, It's basically a paramilitary sort of organization, right? That goes in and does police work, right? Is that is that right?
2: It's like Delta Force and so forth, um, where they actually do the topple. You know, the initial get. They're the guys who go in for the first two months. They're the first ones to kind of hit the beach sort of thing. And then the police action kind of comes in with like Corp after that. Now, he, now, she works through Sydney Blumenthal for everything. So um, it, the FBI just released some files yesterday, uh, or excuse me, a week ago, uh, that show that she's emailing Sidney Blumenthal every day classified information. And we think it's from the seventh floor of Mahogany Row in the State Department building in Washington, D.C. She's constantly leaving the meetings where she's inside the secure information facility, which doesn't let any signals go out. And she's going to the balcony all the time and she's syncing up, leave she, she's that must have been when she was emailing Sid Blumenthal, but we don't have those all those emails yet. But um, anyway, um,
0: Sid Blumenthal is due. But either way, that, that alone is 100% illegal, right? I mean, basically, she's using her private server or private email to speak to somebody after just getting out of a confidential meeting, right? Right?
2: Excusing herself multiple times a, a day. Um, so uh, that's where that confidential information is going. And then in, in those same releases, this is just a week ago, um, and Judge Napolitano reported this on Lou Dobbs, that three uh, nations definitely have all 650,000 emails. One of them is Israel, one of them is Russia, and one of them is China. So this really puts Trump in a bind, because that means Putin and Xi Jinping and and Netanyahu know things that Trump doesn't know, a lot of stuff, 650,000 emails worth. So now you're in a real quandary, because... If you don't release emails, maybe you put our president at a disadvantage, a huge disadvantage of all the covert operations that are going on. Um, and and even if they inform him of the covert operations, maybe he doesn't realize all the connections. So he might put somebody into a, a covert setting, a CIA agent that may be killed because he didn't know that that uh, location, the safe house was compromised or, or whatever,
0: those those six hundred fifty thousand emails that were found on Anthony Weiner's laptop. So this is right before the election. This is what they the FBI reopened. They opened it for what nine eight nine days, something like that. Supposedly had read through everything and then shut the case back down. And basically everyone said that hey Comey is protecting these conspirators, one of them being Hillary Clinton, which is pretty much the top dog in all of them. So what is in those 650,000 emails is extremely important. Now, supposedly, the the chief of police at the NYPD has those emails as well. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Well, the, the uh, article that came out in True Pundit on uh, November 7th, I want to say, um, is the chief of detectives, Boyce is his name. He's been on the force, I think, around 40 years. He is the one who said um, there's child exploitation on those emails. There's uh, there's bribery. There's you know all this uh, confidential, classified information. I think he said 500,000 of the 650,000 were classified emails. So he ends up going to True Pundit for that article, um, and Comey had to come out and say, "Well, we do, you know, yes, we do have." Uh, the 650,000, you know, we're not speculating on the contents of the email unless you, you know, don't have don't think the the head of the New York detectives for, for 40 years is, is not a credible witness. I, I believe he is. Um, but but he says child exploitation, sex crimes, perjury, obstruction of justice, money laundering and pay to play.
0: Yeah, you had just mentioned that the FBI was like last week had released, I think, uh, a little trove of like 300 or 370 of, was it Clinton's emails?
2: It it was uh, actually um, Clinton's emails, and it was talking about um, what came out of that was that the server had definitely been hacked by these three different countries, and uh, it, it showed that the investigation had been going on since uh, July of 2015. They had sat on for a whole year. The, it's called the in- Intelligence Community Inspector General, a guy named um, McCullough, uh, had uh, sent a what's called an 811 uh, referral. 811 was designed in the intelligence community to improve communications, uh, different IC groups. And that's sort of like the 911 bullet and drop everything else. Go look at this because it directly deals with information going to a foreign classified information going to a foreign government. When Comey came out last year on June, July the seventh, they had already had that information for one year.
0: And so one of the things that's in that, in that is the fact that Hillary Clinton was discussing with at least what, like 18 different Gmail accounts, right? Basically, 18, 18 different accounts sending confidential information. And now people need to understand that those. All of that communication, all of those emails are actually federal, or it's actually our property. It's the federal government's property because they're doing that on, that's supposed to be government property. So you have these 18 emails sending confidential information. Now, when the FBI sent out that document, they redacted all the emails, which is actually shows that whoever it is within the FBI or, uh, well, the FBI, I guess, is actually covering up for these conspirators, right? Because, I mean, there would be no reason to actually cover those emails up unless there was something damning in those emails right
2: right and there's actually one email that I put in my regular series uh, my YouTube series where it's there is a list of 19 you know it says these 19 emails and then their name is names are all covered up and one of the things I try to do in my series is get people to send me you know their suggestions for who those 19 people might be is sort of like a lottery system we know who some of them are because they got immunity from the FBI. Five of the conspirators got immunity. But the question remains, will the other 14 get immunity? And it could be that it there is some big government program, uh, secret CIA program that all these people participated in, and they're going to claim state secrets, which is the defense that usually uh, knocks uh, down these kind of challenges, you know, to the NSA especially. Um, so we don't really know the answer to that. But. I think that's getting a little bit. It's 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 pushing state secrets about as far as you can push it when you're going to say, okay, I want I want to cover up my my Clinton Foundation invasion of Libya to get. Yeah, it was all it was all a CIA operation. I got all the gold, but, you know. It was just it wasn't for me, you know. It's 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 pushing state secrets. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, OK, so when we we see what what's happening right now within the FBI and the CIA, I mean, when we look at I mean, what's your take on this? When you look at like the, the history of the CIA, what are we to make of this? I mean, is this like some governmental intergovernmental body that's made for this sole purpose of, you know, de- developing corruption within the United States government? Or do you think somewhere along the way it it had been compromised? Do you think that there's some some sort of ebb and flow with this sort of stuff right now?
2: Well, I think the CIA, uh, right from its very beginning, uh, was supposed to be an an intelligence collection agency to tell the president, oh, by the way, Iran is making a nuclear bomb, and you need to do something about it before they can fire it. And that was the idea. But then they got into, away from intelligence, right from the get-go, to more operations. And this operations is where you have field officers and agents and you know, uh, trying to compromise, blackmail, and uh, you know, um, you know, stealing, you know, money, and trying to do arbitrage, and all these, you know, uh, cloak and dagger spy things that they they started doing. And the two brothers that start the CIA, or or right there from the beginning, are the Dulles brothers, and they create these clandestine clandestine networks all over the world, in almost every country, including the United States. Um, they do a lot of work you know, with cashing of arms in the uh, Soviet Union uh, countries on the edge of the Soviet Union. And the idea is we'll, use, we'll have all these spies and, and one day we'll, we'll take over that country. And it worked pretty well. You know, it, 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 they did carve off the edges of the old Soviet Union and we did get those economic resources. And their strategy was drain them of the economic resources and that's how we'll beat the Soviet Union. Um, the problem happens, I believe with the Kennedy saying, Hey, we're, you know, when they try to do the, the, the Bay of pigs invasion, letting him know at the last minute about the invasion. And he's like, Hey, wait a minute, I'm the president. And they had done a, an invasion of Guatemala and didn't even tell Eisenhower until it was over, you know? So Kennedy's like, Hey, I'm going to break you guys into a thousand pieces. And you know, it happened to John F. Kennedy, um, And the only other inflection point uh, later on is the church committee where the whole starts coming out. And and Cy Hearst publishes an article saying that they're running, the FBI is running this clientele pro against the citizens, uh, you know, protesters. And, uh, you know, this isn't good. So there was kind of a cleansing we had about 40 years ago with this, with the the church commission. And uninterrupted since then, they have tried to replace everything that the church commission took out. Uh, our current FBI, uh, counterterrorism division came directly from CIA planning and our current, uh, JTTF, uh, program for police forces is directly based on controlling police departments to then control the uh, local and state government. Um, so it's, it's, they're very, uh, slow and subtle and, and, and gradual, but very effective over
0: time. Do you, okay, so this this gets to the whole like draining of the swamp thing, right? Do you think that Trump is going to do anything about this? Because I see, you know, when I see Trump, I mean, he, he's got Steven Feinberg on his cabinet now who is who owns DynCorp, right? I mean, do you really see this as a swamp draining or do you see this as refilling the swamp?
2: Uh, I I think it's refilling the swamp with maybe even dirtier water. It's different water. Some of it's different water. I mean, Steve, I mean, if you look at Steve Feinberg and then more Pug, Pug Winokur going all the way back to Enron uh, where he started, they basically use these police forces. Dying corp is, is a play on words as well. Dying corp. Like we teach people how to kill people. You know, we're in that business. So Dine Corp has always been created by that, created by the Dulles brothers, by the way, as a web training of police forces uh, overseas, and in agreement or cooperation with the police forces by showing them how to set up these sex sting operations that then make can partake in the uh, the sex uh, you know that comes from this you know setting up you know you, you always see a like a. a, a strip club in some town and you wonder why don't the you know, police drive by this every day why why are they driving by <laughs> you know it's got to be illegal and those are what are known as brownstone operations there there's there's 50 cameras low light cameras all the best equipment and they're just basically when they move one of those into town they're taking pictures of all the mayors all the you know the church pastors everyone really you're you're identified the plates are scanned in the parking lot, everybody's identified, and then things are pulled out when when they need it. So a lot of these uh, scandals that break the day before somebody's going to talk to uh, you know Congress, you know, come from from these brownstone operations and and this is taught by the CIA and it's taught by DynCorp. And it it's you know in Washington D.C., every scandal you can name, the DC madams and the you know Barney Frank and Craig Spence and just the list goes on forever, all come from, from that, those CIA brownstone operations. So everybody has, they have something on everybody, and Trump is included. And uh, I, I know for a fact. And um, so I was involved in this case all the way back in 2000 in Manhattan, an operation in New York City. At his Upper West Side, uh, Steve Feinberg, I believe, uh, at the Egyptian mansion over by Council on Foreign Relations, I think two doors down was a brownstone operation. Uh, there's one that he had in uh, near Miralago, if not in Miralago. And there's one that he has on this little island at the end of uh, Puerto Rico in the uh, British Virgin Islands called Little St. James Island. If you read of all the people that have been to that island... Uh, Hillary's been there six times. Bill's been there at least twenty times. Um, you know, the foreign minister of Israel uh, has been there many times. There's something on everybody. Trump's been there. Um, Trump was definitely to the New York one. That one I know for sure. I don't know if he's been to Little St. James, but they. One of the things that came out of this was a logbook by the butler. Afraid for his uh, for his life, and that's that's how I got involved in the case. So uh, I I don't think Trump's. The the solution, I think the only solution is to put out the 650,000 emails and just go, okay, let's just see where the chips fall. DynCorp actually trains the police forces in the remote country. So the pattern goes is is Hillary will have Sid Blumenthal send in the Delta Force through Osprey. You take over the country, you know, you kill Qaddafi and you blow up all the planes. Then you send in DynCorp, okay, and they train the, the police force. And the police force is, is, I mean, most of their contracts come from training the police, their p- remote police forces. One of the things they do train the police forces to do is to set up these brownstones. They have a kit. They send a kit with all the low light cameras and everything. And they show them how to set it up and all that stuff. And that's one of the things they do for blackmail. But they do many other things. They do, um, they set up uh, the sex trafficking. Uh, they do that by encouraging their employees to uh, take uh, what they call uh, 12, 13-year-old girlfriends. Uh, then they're encouraged to then sell the girlfriend. So they, they're they thinking it's prostitution. They're saying, well, it's prostitution, 12, year old 13-year-old girlfriend. And then after you're done with her or tired with her, then you sell her, and then you get another one. Uh, so that's how the sex trafficking starts. So they teach them to start that sex trafficking. It's all to control the police force because they can always come back in later and say, Hey, you were involved in sex trafficking. It's also with these. Uh, if it's in a battlefield situation, they teach the police to you know take the prisoners to these hospitals, and their organs are harvested. This is happening right now in Aleppo. Um, the minister of health in um, Syria says there's been ten thousand you know organs harvested, and I've got videos of that you know, process taking place in dying court body bags.
0: So, uh, you know, I want people to, because there's there's a, there's a background story here, too. This is not just a bunch of, like, you know, hearsay and conspiracy theory. This is, you had mentioned this in one of the, the videos where um, Cynthia McKinney, who's a um, Democratic Georgia congresswoman, Talked in 2006 to Donald Rumsfeld about about DynCorp, and his, I'm just going to read this here. It says, Mr. Secretary, I watched President Bush deliver a moving speech at the United Nations in which he mentioned the crisis of sex trade. And then it said, while all of this was going on, DynCorp kept the Pentagon contract to administer the smallpox and anthrax vaccine. And is now working on a plague vaccine through the Joint Vaccine Acquisition Program. And then it says, Mr. Secretary, is it policy of the U.S. government to reward companies that traffic in women and little girls? And this was 2006, talking about DynCorp absolutely sex trade and human trafficking.
2: Yeah, I just talked to Cynthia um, a couple of nights ago, and she's uh, she's teaching people in Bangladesh. She's a wonderful person uh, and really has, has led the charge in terms of the sex trafficking thing. Um, the, uh, yeah, exactly. As I said, nobody, no soldier and most of the people they hire for Dine Corp are ex soldiers, special forces soldiers and so forth. No soldier goes over there thinking, oh, I'm going to teach people how to establish a sex trade but they do this kind of subtle, oh, take a girlfriend. Oh, get another one, get another one. And, and that's how it's done. Um, and it really does need to be pulled up by the roots as Americans. We don't realize it, but we're going to get blowback from all this as people's kids are being taken away and people's kids are being abused. I mean, you can imagine how a town would feel and in Kosovo, you had the situation where a 60-year-old guy is walking around with a 12-year-old girlfriend. What does the town think? I'm talking about openly displayed. I will think of Americans then, you know, in that situation. And and this isn't by any means a one-off to name 50 Dine Corp, uh police abuse cases. And one of the things I try to do with my 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 project, my open me- re- media research, is collect all the DynCorp contracts Trump and say, hey, why are we doing business with DynCorp?
0: Yeah, because, I mean, if this gets out to enough people, because that really seems like what's, what's going to have to happen is that basically this is going to have to be citizen journalism en masse presenting information to the public and saying, look at this yourself and tell me that this is not highly illegal, highly immoral. And so if if, it, if the, the swamp draining isn't going to come from Trump, and it certainly wasn't going to come from Hillary Clinton, then it's going to have to be on us. And that's, I guess that's where guys like yourself come in and, and do this. So the work that you're compiling, can you talk a little bit about this, the new Trello um, uh, work board that you got going on, where people can come and contribute to this work?
2: Yeah. Uh, what I do is a tr- Trello lo- allows you to basically to tell a story vertically or tell a, a story horizontally. It's kind of like a solitaire uh, cards kind of method. So, for instance, if you, we wanted to say DynCorp in Haiti and that's one column of cards, OK, like in, in, in solitaire, uh, I can put all the abuses that occur. Um, they have a 50 million dollar contract to train the police every year in, in Haiti, for instance, and I can bring in and. and create a card for every news story about those abuses then going across I can across my columns I can do Dine Corp in, in Libya Dine Corp in Syria Dine Corp in Afghanistan Dine Corp in Iraq which, which they had huge contracts in Iraq and all these same allegations and so forth and people can put different cards in there so if some could be sex trafficking some could be organ harvesting some could be murder some could be kidnapping some could be drug running so you're going to find Dyncorp in and all of those businesses and they're doing it under the auspices of, well, we have to act like the criminal to to catch the criminal. And maybe that was true early on in like maybe the forties or fifties, but it's not now it's hundred percent. So, uh, the Trello, I have people come in and then not, not just that people can come in and, uh, add stuff about the Clinton foundation and, and, and so forth. But, what I really think is important is to to go after uh, dyncorp and other uh, non governmental non approved covert operation type mercenary companies like Osprey Global is another one and really build the case the evidence so overwhelming that sessions and uh, trump can 't ignore it
0: because I mean if you really want to talk about rooting out terrorism that 's really what we see because what the the picture that 's being painted that 's pretty damn clear is that that Hillary Clinton, while st- Secretary of State, through the CIA and through the Hillary Clinton Foundation, actually caused the overthrow of these governments, which are one hundred percent terrorist acts. this is one hundred percent illegal. this is one hundred percent treason.
2: yeah, and and it, if you don't, the, you only have one choice. you know the 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 one of the human rights leaders in Haiti says, if we don't fight this, there are only other choices to die. <laughs> you know there's there's really no other choice. In this case, the choice is either fight this now uh, or, or it was like Cynthia McKinney. She, you could have fought it in 2006 when it was only $2.7 trillion budget deficit, but you let it go. And this thing is ballooned down to 6.5 trillion missing from the budget. This most of the missing black budget items. Uh, this is where the money goes in terms of all these police forces all around the world, 192 countries. So it's going to cost a lot of money. That's where the black, most of the black budget is going. And, um, I'm sorry. You said 6.5 trillion. Trillion. In Donald Rumsfeld's own testimony, on uh, right before the day before September 11th, 2001, he said it was 2.5 trillion was missing. 2.5 trillion was missing. So another four trillion has gone missing since then, since uh, September 11th. It's mainly for these paying for these police forces. This control mechanism. Um, And if you read that Cynthia McKinney testimony, she mentions the budget deficit right after she talks about DynCorp. Um, So this isn't a small problem. I'm not saying DynCorp gets all the money, but they just signed another ten billion dollar contract to to take care of the maintenance for all the aircraft, you know, Air Force's aircraft around the world. So they do have some stuff that they do that's functional for our military, but A good example is during George Bush's first Iraq war, there was about a – I believe it was like 60 to 1 ratio between soldier and contractor.
0: So uh, all – honestly, all Trump would have to really do is do an audit of the treasury – and find out where six point five trillion dollars went, and I'll, I'll, that's going to open up a case right there. So if I see if anybody wants to do this, even if, whether that's um, Judicial Watch or that's citizen journalists, is start pressuring the government to say, "Hey, where did this this money go?"
2: Yeah, it's quite a tangle doing it that way. I mean, what I try to do is just uh, try to pull on the the golden thread, I call it, which is you know the Clinton Foundation, which kind of pulls on the 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 golden thread of Dine Corp. Uh, and, and once Steincorp unravels and you get this these group of people who start testifying, you know, in front of a committee and say, yes, I did this, yes, I did this, sort of like the church commission, then you can kind of get momentum in your investigation, you know, and, uh, you know, you want to start where the most wrongdoing has occurred and there's the most witnesses. And a lot of these folks, you know look back on their DynCorp days, they come back to the United States after they do their overseas tour and they become police officers and they become, you know, uh, I think they would be willing to testify, you know, that this stuff was happening. There's been a few whistleblowers. As a matter of fact, there's a movie by the name of whistleblower where they go into this in, in some detail. Um, but I, I, really, I really think it's focusing on DynCorp because that's the CIA's kind of wedge into other other countries' governments. And um, the same way it is here in the United States through the FBI and JTFF.
0: There's this sort of big push right now to be like, hey, Russia, hack the elections, Russia's meddling with uh, United States affairs and things like that. And we have Putin basically coming out and, and in so many words saying that, hey, everything that's going on in Syria is funded. And then we actually see that, hey, the United States government, the U.K. has given, I think, 40 million between the two to organizations like the White Helmets and things like that. So, I mean, do you think that some of this push towards um, blaming Putin and demonizing Russia has something to do with this?
2: Oh, absolutely. No, no it's, it's the most grand and glorious smokescreen. I mean, they know they're in trouble. I mean, IC knows, and their their intelligence community knows they're in trouble right now, and they're still trying to push. I heard Marco Rubio say the other day that you know, uh, you know Assad was using sarin gas uh, when he was questioning um, Tillerson, and it's just not true. I mean, uh, Porton Down testing from from uh, uh, England uh, is the one who did it did the testing. So did the UN. I mean, it's it's really. They're really showing their belief in CNN, which is a CIA-created network. I mean, to be honest, I mean, it, it was a way of of channeling information simultaneously around the world. That was in the charter when it was developed. Now they don't use that all the time. They just use it around key points about going to war. It's like everything else they do. They only need five percent. Five percent. The rest can be a regular network with regular people hiring producers and reporters and so forth. It's just those key times when it's the decision to go in to bomb Syria or the go to uh, topple whether we're going to bomb Qaddafi or whether NATO's going to bomb Qaddafi. Those are just those those key times. Or around the uh, renewal of the National Defense Authorization Act is another good example. Um, so interventions and NDAA, you're going to find the real. But it's it's interesting now because they're they're on the Russia thing Seven twenty four because they don't want those six hundred and fifty thousand emails to come out, you know they're just really on the information attack it's almost comical you know after the the golden shower thing, you know
0: yeah, did you read that Senate hearing report? It was like a I don't know how many page report that they did on the Russian hacking and everything. I mean I read about uh, maybe half of it, maybe a little less than half of it, and it was and then it skimmed the rest of it it's i mean it's a joke i mean it's it's laughter I read it yeah, yeah, yeah. so I it mean it basically bas-
2: says Putin. Putin created RT. Well, I think everybody (laughs) knows that. (laughs) I would give Putin some credit though, because Putin, his last paper that he wrote as a KGB agent right before the fall of the wall was, "We'll never be able to keep up with the West with their resources. They they outnumber us fifty to one on agents. So the only thing we can do, truth is our only weapon." Is was the title of the paper, and he said, "We've got to do a network and." and fight fire with fire just keep putting out the video and keep putting out stories that are written from western western journalists talking about these situations information is the only way we can win the war that was this paper and so that's uh, rt is created from that some people think WikiLeaks was created from that i, I don't believe that um but rt certainly was created from that
0: mm-hmm. and um I got to thank you. I, I ended up contacting Ava Bartlett. Um, oh. She's going to end up doing the show as well. And she, okay. speaking of RT, yeah, she did this whole interview on RT about basically all the lies in Syria and how the New York Times kept pushing that this is a civil war. And basically it's very clear that everyone sees that this is not a civil war, that this is being fought by mercenaries, people being paid. So um, so Ava Bartlett, she's a Canadian journalist over in Aleppo, over in Syria, basically reporting on all the lies in the government. And the the only way that we can even know this is through RT. Well, and if you go back to Pravda and TASS, the
2: old Communist Politburo was saying, we need to, you know, keep TASS and Pravda a house organ, you know, and, you know, everyone in Laputa is happy at the missile base today, you know, here they are marching, you know, happily at lunch, you know. Um, that kind of thing. And his paper was what changed it and said, no, no, no. If we, if we don't go to this 100% truth campaign, I think it was just I was what the, was called clean, clear water or clean water. If we don't go to this clean water campaign, um, we are, uh, we're going to lose because we cannot keep up with the West. They're 10 to one, uh, militarily and 50 to one in covert agents. So it really changed, uh, you know, Russia's whole strategy, you know, and unfortunately the truth is very powerful, you know, and we're, we're still pounding on the old way because it was effective for us in the cold war, but it's not, it's, it's proving to be uh, not as effective, no matter how many resources we throw at it, we can run a budget deficit up to you know 20 trillion. It's not going to be the truth. If you have video and the David Bartlett's and the Jessica Beely's there, there's a, there's a gal named Beely, um, and she's saying, Hey, the, the, all the human shields are upstairs and all the kids are downstairs with ISIS. Um, and they're just waiting for one of the parents to be killed so they can run the child off to, um, you know, to, uh, UAE or, or Qatar as a, as a young bride, you know? So it, it just like reporting that makes your eyes pop out, you know, and she's, I believe she's Canadian as well. And so she's not doesn't have the kind of the domination from the U.S. media, you know, control that would never get by an editor in, uh, you know, NBC or CBS or
0: CNN. Yeah. What do you where do you see the role of citizen journalism? Is that going to change the face of American journalism? Or are we still going to have to fight this behemoth entity of of the New York Times and MSNBC? We're we going to see some of these places fall.
2: Well, I think it's the ultimate fact checker. You know, with a Google compound search and and 100 people, it's it's really the same thing as the New York Times used to be. It's just that the people of the reporters are out on the net and the editors are, are kind of self-appointed, you know, and then there's editors of editors. Um, so I'm kind of a self-appointed editor who writes a story every once in a while, but I mainly just connect the dots of journalists. And then most journalists stop just short of... Thing. and oh, by the way, here are the connections to the CIA, or here are the connections to DynCorp, or here are the connections. And all the researchers and contributors with who volunteered to help me, who I love, by the way, they're, they're fantastic, is uh, they've connected the dots. They've just gone that one layer deeper in reporting and said, well, Trolls, DynCorp, and, you know, Mr. Trump, you know, <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> are you going to are you going to keep giving them contracts you know it's so that's I I don't think you know uh, Eric Schmidt used to say there's a lot of smart people at Google but there's a lot of more smart people outside of Google and I think Russia has taken the right strategies. we want to leverage the people outside of our intelligence communities against their intelligence community and the only way we can do that is truth so it's a good strategy
0: it seems like there's just so many more people on it now. And I think uh, at least as far as like covering a lot of this stuff, because there was this, this squashing censorship of information and you had you had been subjected to this, right? Like you started what um, maybe 20 days into this of Braverman missing. And then day 53, you woke up and all your videos were gone. And I've received some of the censorship myself. So every, it seems like anytime they try to censor stuff, there's 50 more people or that are on it because they see what's going on. So I don't see how this is possibly going to be stopped. They could shoot you. They could shoot me. They could shoot David Seaman. They could shoot, you know what I mean? But uh, you do that. And all you're going to do is shine more of a light onto this, onto this darkness.
2: I, I call it the sorcerer's apprentice. I don't know if you ever remember that from Fantasia, but Mickey uh, uh, sees the sorcerer and he, making the broom, you know, sweep the floor, you know? And so he decides to, to try to be the sorcerer at night. And he, and this, he makes the broom go, but then it starts, you know, going out of control and all this water starts going everywhere, flooding the whole place. And so he tries to chop the broom with an ax and it turns into a hundred more little brooms that grow up and create the problem worse. You know, it's, it's, you can't beat this. I, I, I say this all the time, Mer, Mike Morrell at the CIA, you can't kill your way out of this. It just creates more
0: Marty leaves. you know? I I would highly recommend everybody... And there's a ton of videos, so it takes a while. I'm I'm about halfway through them myself, or whatever. But you know, start at day fifty-three, or I think the the your elder videos are actually out there right now. They've been recovered by some people and are starting to be put up on the internet. So I'd highly recommend start as early as you can and just follow this thing through. And um, you're gonna it's it's gonna be very clear within about four or five of these videos what's going on. And it's it's you you've done such a remarkable job at piecing all this together. So I just I just want to say thank you for that. Um, we need more people like you. So please. Go support George Webb. How do, they, how do they find you? How do we find you on Facebook and YouTube and all that?
2: Well, if you just say George Webb, drain the swamp, uh, just search for that and you'll see a video and it'll come up, a sixteen minute video that not only summarizes what I've done, I'm probably like, you know, 20% of it, but a whole bunch of researchers like me and it kind of puts it all together uh, of draining the swamp is, is the topic. And uh, then you can just say George Webb, YouTube, uh, and it, it'll come up with my videos.
0: Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to continue to follow and, you know, maybe a couple months or something like that if this thing's still going, we can have you back on and talk about it. I'm I'm planning on doing my own video on it right now. I'm um, compiling a bunch of information trying to wrap my head around every aspect of this. So so for people listening, I'm planning on doing something about this. So, But please go out, follow this man, follow and and, and share the video, share the information, share it on Twitter and Facebook, wherever, because this is very important. You want to talk about actually draining the swamp, actually talking about getting terrorists out of our government, this is the way to do it. So, um, so George, thanks so much. Thanks for the time, and uh, be safe out there. Okay, man?
2: Okay, thank you a lot. Appreciate it. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. There's not going to be a podcast for the next couple weeks because I am taking a vacation, heading out to Hawaii for about three weeks, and going to soak up the sun and just kind of forget about the craziness of the world for a little while, taking a much-needed break, that's for sure. But when I come back, i uh, going to be speaking with a lot of really, really great guests going to have Eva Bartlett on, who's a Canadian journalist, and she's been covering a lot of the stuff in Syria and Aleppo and all of that. going to be speaking with Will Pangman, a Bitcoin extraordinaire, Benny Wills from the Joy Camp, Max Egan from the Crow House. I also asked uh, Brian Mullen on, as well as Jaren Campanella. So just a lot of really great guests to look forward to speaking to in the future. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. I really appreciate all the support and all the love and uh, all the kind words. It's been so awesome. You guys are the best. Be kind to one another, much love to all, and don't forget, an opinion without pie is just an onion.
1: the day